the, the church, you don't have people staring at you. You're just in a restaurant by yourself and you're talking. Okay, you're talking, you're on a date, you're on a date. And David and I, you don't see us. We're on the other side of the restaurant. But we see you. And I'm looking over there and I'm thinking, I don't think, how long have you guys been married? Four years? We've been married for four years. But it is obvious he does not love her. Hmm. <laughs> I, I've been around my share of families at the church. I know when somebody loves somebody and he does not love her. I can see that. You can see <laughs> Like, it's his body language. His body language, the way he looks at her. I've heard him talk to her before. He does not love her. Look. We've been up here for five minutes. Not holding her hand. Not whispering to her. Hasn't kissed her. Texting. Is no affection for her. I don't understand why this girl is putting up with him. What is she doing with this guy? All right, now give them all a big round of applause. Thank you so much. Thank you, 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 thank you. All right, that is what Satan does. <laughs> that is what Satan does in heaven every single day. In regards to you, he looks at the Lord and he says, he does not love you. She does not love you every day, all day. Let me read the scripture. This is in Job chapter one, verse eight. One day, the members of of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord and said, yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. See, from the moment mankind breathed its first breath, <gasps> the first time, <gasps> there ha- all of hell and all of Satan has been trying to convince God that man really doesn't love him. That the only thing that we want is to be blessed. We want stuff. We want to be blessed. And if we don't get blessed, we don't want to have anything to do with him. And so all day long, Satan is saying that exact thing. He's the accuser of the brethren. Look, look, Frankie doesn't love you. 
He's not praying because it's not Sunday. He, he, look, he, he hasn't even gotten out of the parking lot yet. He's already yelling at somebody that's cutting him off when he's trying to get out of the parking lot. You can come walking in and say, look, 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 they're at church. Look how mad they are that somebody's sitting in their seat. Have you ever walked in and somebody's sitting in your seat and you're like, I'm glad you're here, but that's my seat. Uh, I'm glad you're, somebody's sitting in your seat right now and you've been mad for the last 10 minutes. Go ahead. It's like, you're, that's my seat. That's my spot. And then you end up ticked off. And then Satan comes up and says, look, Michael, he's in church. But he's ticked. He's mad. He's not even paying attention to you. All day long, the accuser of the brethren is watching you and reporting back. And God, Jesus, is the exact opposite. Jesus testifies on our behalf. He says, this is my, this is my son. These are our children. They love God. It goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when you or I separate ourselves into a room, we get down on our knees and we begin to seek God and we begin to worship God. And we begin to praise God. We begin to honor God. Even sometimes our, our words, uh, they're, they're repetitive. They're over and over again. But our heart is screaming so much more than our words. And we're saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I can't feel you, but I love you. I, I'm, I'm worried and I'm concerned, but I still trust you. I love you. It's at that moment where God backs up and says, see? Look, they haven't even got their blessing yet. Look, it's been weeks. It's been weeks that they've been praying for this blessing. It's been months. Nothing's happened. And look, they're still worshiping me. They're still praising me. This is all going on in heaven. Some of you, it doesn't matter what happens. You have already made the decision. You are going to worship whether you get blessed or not. You've already made the decision. You've already left church at one point in your life and you've come back and you said, I'm never going to leave church again because he's my everything and I'm going to worship him with my whole heart. Who am I talking to? We, our relationship with God is being watched and criticized by the accuser. So number one, the seeking process, why do we have to seek him? Because Jesus is making a point. He loves me. She loves me. Number two, why do we have to seek him? Why why can't we just pick up the main line? See, if you don't know about the main line, you didn't grow up in a church. A Pentecostal church. Am I, ta- am I right, Babels? If you don't know about the Jesus on the main line, tell Come on. Finish that song. Jesus on the main line. Three people. 
Man, our Sunday school has some work to do. Um, I forgot I was going to sing another song. I'll sing it next week. See, when, when we're pursuing Him, not only are we reflecting our love towards Him, but we are beginning to discover more of Him. See, all the way back to the New Testament, one of these days I'll preach a series on it, but when God had Solomon build a temple, there were these three main areas. There was the outer court, there was the inner court, and then there was the Holy of Holies. See, the outer court, man, that was kind of a general area. The inner court was very significant, but not like the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies... There was a, a thick, literally a thick curtain. Only the priest could go in there. And when he stepped in there, he was with the presence of God. When Jesus died on the cross, at that moment, the curtain tore. And he said, now anybody can come into the Holy of Holies. Now anybody can come. But let me tell you, there's still, there's still an outer court where a lot of people say, I'm good right here. I'm good. Is this what I got to do to get to heaven? Am I good? Am I in? I want fire insurance. <laughs> Am I good? Then there's this inner court where it's like, hey, I'm going to join a life group. I'm all in. Kind of. But then there's this smaller group. It doesn't, there's nothing in this world they want more than to be in that holy of holies. Oh, yeah. Nothing they want more. And usually the people that say there's nothing I want more, usually speaking, they have some gray in their hair, some wrinkles on their face. Usually it's that bunch or no hair. Praise God. Usually it's, it's, it's around my age, minus 10 years or up, because we've lived just enough life that now we're not enamored anymore. It's like, this place has nothing for me. Every once in a while, every once in a while, you'll see a young person that's a David, where you can see it in their eye. They already feel the fire and the passion and the longing. They, they don't even know the holies of holies exists. All they want is the presence of God. See, when you seek, what you do is you separate yourself from everybody else. It's like, hey, I, if that's enough for them, that's great. Hey, whatever. I want more of your presence. I want, when you seek, you find, where is it? You find the Holy of Holies. You feel the Holy of Holies. You're not satisfied unless you, I don't even know what the Holies of Holies is, but I'm coming for it. That's a remnant. Not a lot of people. Not a lot of people. So why do we seek? Number one, we're making a statement. We show our affection. We show our loyalty. We show our love in how we pursue. Number two, 
Everybody wants the gold, but nobody wants to dick. Chew on that on the way home. Here we go. When God called your name, what did he want? When he said your name. Okay, on the count of three, I want you to say your name, okay? One, two, three. Not everybody participated. One, two, three. You want to hear something funny? This morning in the first service, I said, on three, I want everybody to say your name. I went, one, two, three. And every one of them said, say your name. (laughs) True story. And because everybody was talking all at the same time, I didn't catch it at first, but I knew not everybody participated. So I said, everybody participate. On three, say, say your name. And they all went, say your name. I was like, are you serious? And it was like the sound waves didn't boom, 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 right? There was like, when everybody says their name, and I'm like, right? But it was like, I was like, does everybody have the same name? But when God called your name, he had something specific in mind. Specific. He had something specific. Am I saying that right? I knew I wasn't saying it right. I speak for living. I can't get that word down. Come on. He, he had something in mind for you when he called your name. For some of you in this room, you're like, are you sure he called my name? Yes. Watch. 1 Corinthians 1.9. God has invited you. Everybody say me. Me into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ. He invited you. He he called you. He invited you. And let me just tell you, when he invites you, oh, he's going to pull you right out of, he's going to pull you right out of your comfort zone. This is what comfort zone feels like. (sighs) This is where you want to be. Feels good. But God begins to say, look, I've got way more for you. I'm going to introduce you to more. So we're going to have to go into situations that you've never been in before. We're going to have to go into seasons you've never been in before. I'm going to show you what I can do. But I can't show you what I can do if we're just sitting here in the comfort zone. Because I want you to grow. Never forget this. There is no growth in the comfort zone. And there is no comfort in the growth zone. I want you to look at this right here. There's the comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. See, I love seeing miracles. The problem is, is that you have to need a miracle in order to see a miracle. None of us want to need a miracle, but we all want to see a miracle. And God's saying, look, I'm going to do a miracle in your life, but... We're going to have to get into a season where you're going to need one. Scary. I know what you're thinking. I want to see a miracle, but I want to see it in their life. And I'll go, yeah. (laughs) But when it happens, when God says, no, it's, it's your turn. Because you can't argue with somebody's experience. You are going to experience a miracle. Some of you are in a season right now where it has to be a miracle. Otherwise, everything you're hoping for collapses. 
And he comes in and he's like, you're going to see a miracle. A guy by the name of Randy Clark is coming. I keep mentioning it because I'm trying to warn you. I'm not trying to invite you. <laughs> I got home last Sunday and I told Allie, I was like, man, I'm trying to warn everybody because I don't want anyone showing up to a Saturday night service or a Sunday night service thinking it's going to be like a Sunday morning. It's not. It's not. Now, when Randy Clark shows up, I've been in Brazil with him. I've, I've watched his ministry. It's like a bomb drops right in the middle of the service. He's going to speak Sunday morning. Sunday morning, oh man, just, it's like a hammock. Ah, no surprises. Sunday night, Saturday night, the power of God will drop and people will get emotional. If that makes you uncomfortable, do not come. I'm telling you, do not come. Because once you're here, we lock the doors and you can't get out. <laughs> now, some of you might say, look, um, are you going to promote this? I actually had somebody say, are you going to promote this on Facebook? I said, absolutely not. We cannot promote it on Facebook because for two reasons. Number one, he's really well known in a lot of circles and our sanctuary is not that big. I mean, we have three Sunday morning services. Our sanctuary is not that big. And I want our people to be here. If we put that out on Facebook, they're going to, I've seen it before when we brought Israel out in here. There's a line from here all the way to 45, two hours before service starts. It's like our people haven't even got here yet. So we're not going to promote it on Facebook. Number two reason why we're not going to promote it on Facebook is people like Randy Clark are liked a lot by weird people. So we want to fly under the radar so they don't find out about it. I'm just telling you, I've been to the services, they show up with like a flag. And they start waving their own flag, they show up with a, a, a chauffeur. So what we're going to do is we're going <laughs> to have ushers with, with dart guns. <laughs> What's funny is I'm not really joking. <laughs> I'm just saying, the band does a wonderful job. We don't need anyone bringing their own instruments. Am I right? <laughs> True story. Allie and I were in the Woodlands High School. We were having worship, and all of a sudden, I'm standing there. The, the church was in the Woodlands High School. We didn't get this building. And all of a sudden, I heard, we're worshiping, and I hear this this horn and I promise I close my eyes and raise my hands I'm like oh my gosh I hear heaven I was like oh my goodness I've heard about stuff like this and I'm like and then all of a sudden I heard this I was like oh 
because he, he has one note that he could play really good. He's like, and then I was like, and I was like, hold on. I can't remember if it was Brother Dwayne or Joe, but I was like, taser. <laughs> Brought his own horn. <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, I'm having a little bit too much fun. Thank you, that helped. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of like the, the, the Grammys when someone's talking too long. Um, some miracles have been happening, and somebody mentioned to me, they said, you know, when did, when did miracles, people start getting healed at, at celebration? And I was like, ever since Micah Gamboa came to our church and died on our stage last November, and she came back to life, it's like ever since then, miracles have been happening. Um, where's my where's my cell phone? I gotta do this quickly because I only got a minute left. See, when you experience a miracle and you don't tell anybody, you're taking God's glory. And so, there's been a lot of you that um, that sent in through email or text message. And I'm looking at Paul and Jennifer Geyer right now. Paul Paul uh, sent me text message and uh, I'm going to paraphrase it okay but if I say anything that's not true stand up and say that's not true Uh, he forwarded this my name is Eileen Vaughn and two weeks ago Paul and Jennifer Geyer invited me to, to come to celebration I'm 23 and recently started to lose my eyesight since November of 2018. At first, the doctors thought it was a tumor or an aneurysm. After a ton of testing, I found out that I had a blood clot behind my eyes, cutting off blood flow to my eyes. We continued to try to find the cause of it and found that I have a gene mutation that makes me susceptible to clots, strokes, and cancer. The clot, they think, came from a stroke. Paul, stand up and wave at everybody so everybody knows who sent me this. Um, sent me this. The clot, they think, came from a stroke or two, and I was told I may go blind. I had no peripheral vision, and it continued to get worse. So it's a long text message, but Paul and Jennifer Geyer said, hey, why don't you come to celebration? People get healed there. And she left, and nobody prayed for her, right? Is it her in front of you? Oh, my goodness, I'm telling your testimony, and you're sitting right here. Why don't you stand up real quick? I'm not going to make you talk, but um, just wave at everybody. Here, come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up here. Y'all know me too good. Y'all know me too good. Tell me your name. Eileen, right? Eileen. All right. You tell me if I say something that's not true. Okay? So you came to church, and but nobody prayed for you. No one prayed for you. But, okay, I, got, I can't tell your story. Hold on. 
in the red numbers, otherwise I'd give you more testimonies, um, because they're kind enough to text, and why don't you keep on standing, we're going to be all done. I'm so sorry, I've been a wreck this morning. Uh, I want to I pray for, um, I want to pray for people that are experiencing pain in their body right now. Now, if you had pain in your body this morning, don't come down. Okay? Right now. Right now. Now, I want you to come out of your seat right now. And if you, by the time you get down here, all the pain is gone, I want you to wave at me. Because that's have been happening a lot. Okay? I want you to wave at me if that happens to you. But I want you to come down right now if you have pain in your body right now. Okay? There you go. Um, yeah, just shoulder to shoulder. But while you're down here, I want you to be checking because God has been healing people before I ever even pray for them a lot lately. And so just stand there. Before I get to you, I just want you checking that pain. That, that pain. And if you feel it leave, I want you to just go just like that. Okay? Um, the rest of you. See, there's there's... I grew up in a church where everything is just about the singing and the preacher. And I tell God every single week, I'm like, I don't want to have a church like that. I don't want to have a church like that. I don't want to have a church where it's the singing, the preacher, deuces. I don't want to have a church like that. I want to have a church where miracles happen. Right? You know, let me just tell you, when you read, when you read the Gospels, people are getting healed all the time, and there's nothing weird about it. Nothing weird about it. Jesus is smooth and cool and calm, and I look at that, and I look at his ministry, and I'm like, that's what I want. You know what the Bible says? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The 
the same way me and my father work, that's how I want you and the father to work. He didn't say preachers. He said you. He said you. Would you raise your hands right where you're at? Raise your hands.